Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. So glad to be back with you today in our podcast, and uh, this is a little bit late being uh, being um, uh, uh, broadcast today. I'm a little bit late, but I'm glad to be with you. Uh, we had, let me just say, we had a really great time this past Sunday. For those that don't know, we have changed how we do what we do, and now we are combining our Sunday morning services into one great big huge service. And uh, so uh, God gave me a, a phrase for that service, not just a service, but an encounter with God. Again, Sunday mornings, if you'd like to visit with us, it won't just be a church service, it'll be an experience or an encounter with God. So we've had a great time Sunday. We had a wonderful time with the Lord. God's wanting us to make room for Him and for His spontaneous presence. So in the light of that, I want to um, just share some things. I'm not sure it'll get done today. If not, we'll pick it up next time. It's really time, y'all, to get serious about spiritual things. Uh, the enemy is, has come down in great wrath. Uh, in fact, Revelation chapter 12 kind of is a recap it's a parenthesis in the book of Revelation, as there are several of them, <clears throat> and it's but it's a parenthesis, and it's really talking about, uh, it's just talking about the whole challenge between God and Satan uh, throughout uh, the time from creation to the uh, until Jesus comes back, and it's talking about the conflict there in Revelation 12. And one thing it mentions there in verse 12 of Revelation 12, speaking about Satan says, Therefore be glad or exult, O heavens, and you that dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in fierce anger or fury. This is uh, Amplified Bible, because he knows he has only a short time Left So Satan knows, listen, he knows he's going to be judged. I think he may be aware that his eventual end is the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels and for anybody who is in league with him. So that's his eventual end. He knows it's coming up. So he's he's really thinks he has this ideology. He really thinks he's able, going to be able to somehow take over the world through this man called Antichrist, which is his... Uh, his trump card, so to speak, his best he's got, and it's not going to work, but he's going to do his best. So he's come down in great anger. Um, that's what it says, fierce anger or fury. So I think that's what we all may be experiencing right now. There's just an uptick in challenge in every level of life, and I don't even need to explain that. We all know what I'm talking about when I when I say that, Ephesians 6.10, let me remind you again, this is New Living Translation. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It said nothing about us being strong in ourselves. It says, be strong in the Lord. Put on uh, God, all God's armor so you'll be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. So Satan has strategies today to hinder us and hinder the work of God 
um, both corporately as, as a body of believers in local churches and then individually as, as individual believers. Verse 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil, ruler, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be still standing firm. I really like that. So he talks about in the day of battle. Today is a day of battle. Listen, it is not a time to relax. And there are a lot of people, as the Old Testament prophet says, who are still at ease in Zion. This is a day to rise up. And be who God called you to be and, and be the best you can be for Jesus. Listen, those who choose the leisurely way today may stand to lose what they have in the varying levels of life. Let me say it again. If you choose to live in a leisurely way, maybe Jesus would call that in Revelation 3, the lukewarm way. No, it's time to be all out for Jesus Give it all you've got. Satan is right now aggressive, listen, and bold in his attacks against the church of Jesus, against truth, against freedom. He wants you to leave your faith behind and follow the current of the present culture. He wants you to give in to self-centered living. He wants us to give in to immorality, to bigotry, to prejudices, to lawlessness. He wants us really, like I said, he wants us to be lukewarm and half-hearted. And friends, it's not a time to be lukewarm nor half-hearted. It's, again, time to give all that we have to Jesus. Satan's actively, actively, listen, promoting lawlessness. He's actively promoting immorality. He's actively promoting perversion. He's actively promoting lies, deception, pride, selfishness, racial strife, the rejection of God, the Bible, Jesus, the church. I mean, he's pushing that in, in people's faces, y'all. Is it not true? So here's the question. What are you doing in your own life to stand up for Jesus, stand up for truth, stand up for righteousness, stand up for godliness. Question, are you benignly tolerant of the changes we see today that are sending the world into a downward spiral? Or are you actively standing against them? So again, see the benign tolerance. Well, we know that's going to happen. That's what the Bible says. So you don't make any changes in your life. Or or are you actively rejecting them and standing up for what is right? So see, that's where we need to be. That means we need to be all in for Jesus. Question, are you spending time on your knees for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, uh, for your church, for the kingdom of God to manifest throughout the world? Question, are you ag aggressively asking God to manifest himself in your life, your family, your church, your nation, the world at large? So again, fence, your, uh, fence living will get you killed today. That's true. Compromise may cost you everything you got. So again, uh, Paul said it best, uh, perhaps 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, Passion Translation, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They'll boast of great things. They'll strut around in their arrogant pride, mark, mark all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They'll be ungrateful, ungodly. They'll become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They'll be fierce, ferocious, belligerent, haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they'll act without restraint, bigoted, wrapped in the clouds of conceit. 
They'll find their delight in pleasures of this world more than pleasures, the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Wow. See, that's really, really strong. So there's a new way of doing things that is necessary to deal with all the pressures that we face today. I've talked about some of this in my last few podcasts. I want to talk about it again. Matthew 9, Jesus said it. Uh, He was introducing the concept of the church, the concept of forgiveness of sin through the Lamb of God, who was the Lord Jesus Christ. He's introducing the concept of Judaism being absorbed into uh, what we know now as Christianity, where people worship and serve Him, uh, are born again. And this was all very new, and, and the way that the Jewish believers uh, worshipped in their synagogues, the, their belief system all had to be amalgamated into a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Jesus knew that, and he knew there'd be a lot of people that would not tolerate a change. And you know what? There's a lot of people today not willing to tolerate the changes necessary for Jesus to do what he wants to do in you before he comes back the second time. And he's coming back, uh, it looks like, sooner rather than later. So Jesus said to the people in his day, listen, Matthew 9, 16, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear's made worse, nor do people uh, put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilt. And then the wine is ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, both are preserved. So, you know, um, I've been to Africa and actually have seen wineskins myself. You know, you skin an animal after it's killed and, you know, uh, take the skin off of it, the exterior skin. And and then you tie it up and, and, you know, where the neck of the animal was, you use that to pour liquid in. You can water or, Jesus said here, uh, grape juice. Uh, that eventually ferments a little bit. So the issue is if you got an old skin that's, that's you know, been used a long time, uh, has a tend to, tendency to harden with age. And if you put new grape juice in an old skin and it begins to ferment a little bit, it'll break the skin. And so he used that as an analogy or a new wineskin as a metaphor for a new way of, of walking with God. So he said that, but the transition between Old Testament, New Testament, okay, Old Testament law to New Testament grace, Old Testament Ten Commandments, New Testament, the law of God written on your heart with Jesus as Lord. See, he talked about it in these terms. You got to have a new way of, 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 of applying this to your life. Here we are between the church age and the age of judgment, and we're right in the middle uh, into the beginning stages of the age of judgment. And yes, there is a ju- age of judgment. Yes, there is a justice and judgment side of God. Uh, Psalm 89, 14, justice and judgment are the foundation of the throne of God. Hebrews 6, there is, there is uh, the doctrine of eternal judgments. So we're going into a time of judgment where the earth is going to be judged for the wickedness and unrighteousness that Satan has promulgated uh, throughout the, the millennia of time, he's going to be judged, that is, Satan's going to be judged as is fallen angels, as is the wicked men and women who follow him, as well as the Antichrist. All of them one day will be cast into the lake of fire. And there's a process that the book of Revelation talks about for all of that to come to, come to pass. And Revelation 6, that's the, uh, you know, that's the... Um, 
seals on the scroll in God's right hand. And, you know, the breaking of those seven seals brings things to pass. And it's the judgments of God that are beginning to ensue and is reaching a culmination point. Then you got the trumpet judgments when the last seal is broken. First trumpet blows in Revelation 8 and 9. And those, that's really where the serious wrath of God falls uh, during this time of judgment just before Jesus returns. And then you've got the, the laver or bold judgments, Revelation 15, 16. And that's where the earth, the final cleansing of the earth, which includes the battle of Armageddon, where Satan and his forces along with the Antichrist really seek to defeat the Lord Jesus and, uh, and, and believers. And it doesn't work. And they're all rounded up, cast into uh, hell than the lake of fire, and that's their eternal doom. So we, we're in the middle of all that, y'all. We're in the fray, uh, and we're in a time of tremendous change. And, and the earth is going into a time of judgment. Now we as believers, we preach Jesus, we preach the new birth, but we also preach the kingdom of God. Jesus said the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So I just want you to understand we're in the middle of all this right now, and, and we're at the very beginning stages of everything that can be shaken, being shaken, Hebrews 12 says, and, uh, and, and, and God really, really, really bringing in his enemies to task for what they've done. We're in the middle of that, and God wants to use us, and this is going to be a, a good time and a bad time. It's going to be a bad time because the enemy rises up seeking to change all the systems that have run the world for a long, long time and put in a system of one world ideology, a one world uh, set of laws, a one world set of uh, commercial ways of doing things and, and a one world way of finance and even a one world religion and all that heads up eventually probably starts and then eventuates into the Antichrist coming to head these systems that have been set up. All that, y'all, we're in the middle of it right now. The uh, financial world's about to fail. And uh, the nations of the world, I mean, uh, they're trying their best to get nations to drop their borders, to, to uh, amalgamate all of the people of the world into the various countries. So no country has a history of its own. Uh, everybody's just got people from all over the place, and there's no history uh, for any geographic location on earth that we would call a nation. All the nations are one, and all the nations then, of course, head up under under this global ideology with the same system of laws, same system of finance, same system, as it were, of religion. That Y'all, that's where the world is heading. Do you see it? It's everywhere. It's all around us. The world is changing. So because of that, we need a new way of doing things as believers. Same-o, same-o doesn't work anymore. Just going to church once a week and nodding to God saying, okay, and then just living like everybody else. It's not going to work now like it did maybe in the past, and God never wanted us or intended us to live that way. He wants us to be fervent for Him. So if you've been on the sidelines, if you've been on the fence, if you live a fence life, that is one step, one foot in the world, one foot doing what everybody else does, another foot in the kingdom of God, you're going to fall on the wrong side of the fence. My friend, it's time to walk with God and do His will. So this is a time to stand up, recognize that we're in a battle, we're in a fight, we're in a war. 2 Corinthians 10 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. You know, we, we have a battle, we're human beings, we live in physical bodies, but when it comes to warfare, we don't fight like other people fight. And then he says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but my 
mighty in God. And then he mentions pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the major part of our warfare is a mental warfare. It's a warfare to control our thought life. What controls your thoughts controls you. What controls your mind controls you. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So thoughts control control behavior. Satan's trying to control, control the thoughts of human beings. So, so, to, so to counteract all of the challenge we sense, see, to counteract that, we have weapons. We have spiritual weapons to stand up against the challenges that all of us are experiencing today. And I want to get to my point, and then next time I ought to go into detail about one of the weapons I feel that is really, really strong today. How many know we have the weapon of the Word of God? When Jesus was tempted in his wilderness temptations, he come back to Satan with, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Every time Satan came to him with a, with a bona fide temptation in Matthew 4, Luke 4, Jesus spoke the Word of God. That's one of the ways we counteract the enemy in our life is when, when he rises up with fear, we speak out loud the word of God. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. When Satan tries to attack your body with illness and sickness, you rise up with the word of God. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, with his wounds, we are healed. You know, when Satan makes you feel like you are defeated and nothing's going to work out for you. You know, Romans 8, 37, they and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. And on and on and on I could go. We, the word of God is a tremendous weapon. The name of Jesus is a weapon. Philippians chapter 2, God's given Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Philippians 2, what is it, 9, 10, 11, uh, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Angels, humans, and demons must bow to the name of Jesus. When you know the authority you have in the name of Jesus, you can rise up and say, Satan, in Jesus' name, leave me alone. Leave my mind alone. Leave my emotions alone. I bind you. Stop your attacks against my physical person. I bind you. In the name of Jesus, leave my family alone. Leave my finances alone. Leave my health alone. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. When we say in the name of Jesus, it is as though Jesus himself were there. In fact, Jesus has given us a signed check on the resources of heaven and asked us to fill in the blanks that at the name of Jesus, see, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask and that word ask could be translated demand. If you demand anything in my name, I will do it. You're not demanding of God, but you are demanding of the devil to keep his slimy hands off of what belongs to you. So we have the name of Jesus as a tremendous weapon. I was, uh, well, when I'm talking, all kind of thoughts come to my mind. 1984, it was like uh, maybe January the 2nd or so. We had a terrible snowstorm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm slide, I'm spinning down a hill in my, in my Ford Mustang, five-speed, 
and there's ice, black ice on the road, and I either am going uh, going to hit a light pole on one side, or there are no guardrails and a 20-foot drop-off on the other side of the road. I'm going down a hill, and I have no brakes. Brakes don't work. Steering wheel doesn't work. I'm spinning. All I did was say, in the name of Jesus, and I hollered it out <laughs> when I got to the bottom of the hill, y'all. I promise this happened. It's crazy. My car suddenly stopped. I was going backwards, backwards to the left, and and I was going to go down a ravine 20 feet. I got down to the bottom of that hill after I cried out, in the name of Jesus, that car suddenly and abruptly stopped and the engine cut off. I promise. And my car, the trajectory was, it felt like it would go off that that into that ravine at any time. They were like six or seven inches between my tire and going off. It's crazy. I opened my door and it just flung out because of the trajectory of the car, you know. And uh, anyway, it's a long story. I'm not going to finish the rest of it except to say the name of Jesus stopped my car. If my car had to careen down that ravine, I don't think I'd be here today. I had a full tank of gas, probably would have hit on the back of my car, and it could have exploded. And nobody could have found me because I was way down. Nobody would have known where I was for a long period of time. It was terrible. The name of Jesus stopped that car. <laughs> it's a weapon of our warfare. We so said we got the Word of God, the name of Jesus. We also have the blood of Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony every day of my life. I plead the blood of Jesus, which is a Pentecostal way of saying I, ex- I exercise the rights and privileges I have in Christ Jesus uh, against the devil. All that Jesus did in his, in his living, in his dying, in his becoming our sin, in his going to hell on our behalf, being judged for us, in his being justified by God that our sin debt was paid for, in, in the Holy Spirit raising him from the dead and him coming up out of that place of death as the resurrected Son of God, Him ascending to be seated at the right hand of the Father where the Bible says He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is the high priest and advocate of our redemption. When I say in the name of Jesus, I'm saying all of that. And when I, when I plead the blood of Jesus, I'm saying all of that in a very simplified way. So the Satan hates the blood of Jesus because of what is what it represents. It represents our redemption. It represents his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. It represents the authority of heaven. So when I plead the blood of Jesus, demon spirits run. And I'm telling you, so I pray every day, plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I plead the blood of Jesus over my staff team. I plead the blood of Jesus over them and, you know, over a a, a number of people just in my life. And I encourage you to do the same. Don't live a day. Don't go a day before you ever leave home without, without exercising your authority over Satan by pleading the blood of Jesus over and name your family members by name. I do it. Every day, John, Sarah, Jessica, Lindsay, that's my children, Susan, me, and then, and then my, uh, the, the people that my children married, uh, uh, um, Jeff, Michael, Christelle, Kelton, and then Loic, Sadie, my grandchildren, Loic, Sadie, Maela, Gabriella, Sasha, Benjamin, Michael, Eva, Sage, and then my mother lives with me. She's 88 today. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over them every day. They see, those are the weapons of our warfare. So we have, the, we have the Word of God as a weapon, the name of Jesus as a weapon, the blood of Jesus as a weapon. When I come back next time, I want to talk about the, a tremendous weapon that God wants us to get out and use regularly. And that weapon is the weapon of praise and worship. It confuses the ranks of the enemy. It hinders the work of the demonic attacks against you. It creates the presence of God wherever it is entered into. Praise and worship is a tremendous weapon of our warfare. Don't miss next time. When I come back next time, we're going to get into the weeds on this praise and worship thing. It's tremendous. I want you to be involved in it. God bless you. I hope you got something out of this again today. I encourage you to, if you're in the Raleigh area, we have Wednesday nights at 7, Sunday mornings at 9. We have a huge prayer meeting. We got lots of people coming to pray 8 o'clock in the morning at our church here on Wilmington Street in Raleigh. So I invite you to come and be with us. And uh, we're, we're going to just send you some exciting times as, uh, as Satan ups the ante, so to speak, and seeks to attack in all the ways he wants to. I'll tell you what, God's going to counteract with his power through the word of God, through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. We'll talk about next time through praise and worship. God bless you, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.